Hello! Hi! And we're live! We're excited today. No, oh, I am excited. We get to talk about some Charlie XCX here. <laughs> sure. Yes, among other things. Hello, welcome. Uh, us people talking on a recording right now is the Media Boat Podcast. Um, if you don't know what the Media Boat Podcast is, well, first of all, welcome. Second of all, we are a podcast that is all about the media. That is movies, television, video games, and music. Not necessarily in that order, but some order thereof. This is another marooned edition of the Media Boat Podcast. We are remote from our uh, relative locations here. Today is May the 20th, I yep. believe. Yes, yep. May 520. 20th. 520. It's 520, y'all. Yep, 520, y'all. Blaze it. Um, or and, yeah, my name is Matt. His name is Mike. I'm Mike. He's Matt. I believe this video is how that works there. Just pointing. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we are the Mebo Podcast. We yeah. have lots of news and several thoughts, too. Yeah. But before we get to all that, actually, yeah, let's just get right into it. Yeah, let's just get right into it. We don't need to dwell on it. Um, <laughs> let's go straight into movie news. Skipping box office because there is none. We have a couple of stories this week. Our first story is about when we do return to the movies, when theaters reopen, what will we be seeing? Well, Christopher Nolan wants you to bet on his next film, Tenet. Or rather, Warner Brothers wants you to go out and see Tenet. So yeah, uh, Tenet is shaping up to be the first big blockbuster after the pandemic ends. Warner Brothers currently sets the film for a July 17th release date, but if you think that's too soon, you're not the only one, because they have a stipulation that at least 80% of the global theaters need to be open by that time for them to hit that release date. This includes theaters in New York, Los Angeles, and San Francisco, which of course are the three biggest markets in the country. They alone make up 25% of any given movie's opening weekend. This amounts to 3,500 screens in the U.S. and another 30,000 around the rest of the world. Warner Brothers needs these numbers, as the film costs around $200 million to make, and Christopher Nolan gets 20% of the first numbers, or of these numbers, as the film costs... Wait, I lost my... Uh, 20% of first dollar first gross. Dollar gross of this, of his, uh, as part of his deal. Got it. Right. So, so that relies heavily on opening box office that, hey, yeah. the first time that this box office is opening, that, that, that those weekend grosses are where Christian Nolan makes his money because he doesn't usually take the salary, he takes points on the back end. Yeah. Except uh, he probably made that deal before he imagined this scenario. Well, he probably made that deal back when Inception and whatever film, other yeah. film, was it just Inception and then nothing else? Dark Knight Rises. You're not? That's what it is. No, it's, well, that and uh, the other one. Interstellar. Interstellar, yeah. Wow, the Christopher Nolan fanboy forgot that Interstellar existed. Most people forget that Interstellar exists. <laughs> <laughs> I am not alone in this. It's not. Um, so yeah, if Tenet doesn't release on July 17th, it would move to an August 14th release date. 
which then moves Wonder Woman 1984, which previously had that date, all the way back to December. I still frankly think that August is even generous. So we'll see how all of this pans out. But uh, I'd imagine that even by August, there probably aren't going to be a whole lot of people ready to go to a movie again. Well, no, I mean, definitely not. I mean, especially the way theaters are set up right now where you're literally elbow to elbow next to people. Yeah. And even in some of the re, re, uh, refitted theaters where they have lounge chairs, yeah, that is limited seating, but still you're sitting directly next to someone. There's it's no like little gap yeah. for like lever seats. Yeah, and, and it's an indoor place and guidelines right now are saying, hey, if you are going to go meet people, do it outside. Mm-hmm. And I don't still, think you want to be sitting in a theater wearing a mask for two hours. Yeah, no, no one's going to want to do it. Eating popcorn somehow. So yeah, <laughs> I think that Warner is being extremely uh, hopeful with all of this. I could, I could very well see a just big push to December for this. I could even see it being pushed out to next year, although that would depend on like if it's in his contract that they have to have a film out this year then you would see a december push you know at the latest but you know we'll see nobody really knows how this all is going to shake out so no but it does kind of tip warner brothers hand that they're not going to hold this and release it on hbo max yeah exactly that because this is a 200 million dollar film that they definitely want some type of money sort of profit back on this thing right and they don't want to do the math and figure out how much nolan gets on a streaming release day I know. I mean, because we're not, I mean, it's not the what, same. You could look at what Adam Sadler numbers that he gets. <laughs> yeah. Is that, is that the closest you get to a uh, director streaming? Guess so, right? I don't know. But that does kind of segue real briefly, speaking of Warners, to news that dropped this week that DC's The Snyder Cut for Justice League will be released on HBO Max. Yeah after kind of being a running joke about whether or not it actually exists or not, one, apparently it does, and two, people get to see it. One, it does exist, but it was unfinished. Two, Warner Brothers is going to spend about $20 million to fix it or finish it up. And three, it'll be on HBO Max next year, 2021. Yeah. Also, this is our one and only, um, basically, your warning that HBO Max comes out next week on the 27th, literally one week from now. Yep. Soon. Very soon. Yep. All right. Moving on to our second story today for movies. We have a new production studio coming up. And one that I am excited for. Yeah. Complete Fiction. Yes, I know we are, but what is the new studio? It's called Complete Fiction. The new production company has been formed with some big names. Baby Driver producer Nira Park and Baby Driver director Edgar Wright have teamed up with their long-term collaborators, writer-director Joe Cornish, uh, who uh, wrote and directed Attack, Attack the Block, and producer Rachel Pryor of The Kid Who Would Be King, to launch Complete Fiction. The new company will be based in both London and Los Angeles and will operate across film and television with three new series in development for Netflix. First up is Lockwood & Co. or company, 
a supernatural action-adventure detective series based on the novels by Jonathan Strout. Second is the sci-fi horror trilogy, The Murders of Molly Southbourne, from novelist Tage Thompson. And lastly, The City of Brass, from S.A. Chakraborty, which is a historical fantasy series inspired by Islamic folklore. The business also has a number of ongoing feature developments with long-term producing partners working title. This also marks a decision by Wright to diversify his creative efforts and to take on producing roles on shows and movies by the next generation of writers and directors. The first produced film will be Edgar Wright's upcoming Last Night in Soho, which they produced with working title for Focus Features and Film 4. This is cool. I'm glad. I like this news completely. I'll, uh, as you know, we're big Edgar Wright fans. And so seeing as him wanting to already kind of establish the next generation of filmmakers that, hey, I am all for that. Yeah. Seeing as yeah. he does take some up and coming talent under his wing and serve as a producer. Yeah, no, it's a great, it's a, it's a great idea. And sounds like good stuff coming. Um, yeah. And in a fortuitous, uh, convenient uh, circumstance of events, right now, um, the, the film with the Academy streaming right now is Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Yes. And, and Aubrey Plaza is doing a whole live tweet event with it. Edgar Wright also is on Twitter right now tweeting um, about it as well. So if you want to see running commentary during Scott Pilgrim versus the world, well, don't do it now because you're watching our podcast. <laughs> but uh, I guess if you want to see like the recap later, go ahead. Oh, I will definitely be checking out the recap later. I love commentary on stuff like that. Yeah. Especially films that I love. Yeah. No, that, that would be fun. And yeah, this is going to be nothing but like all goodness coming out of this deal here. Yeah. That sounds great. Alrighty. That's it for film news. Did you see any movies this week? Uh, n- no. I mean, the only movie that just came out is Scoob. Right. No, we have not seen Scoop. We have not seen Scoop, and we've not seen Trolls World Tour. Well, you saw it. No, I didn't. Oh, you didn't? I said my sister saw it. Your sister saw it. Okay. Yeah. So, no, no new movies. But seeing as Scoop did come out this week, two streaming home services, it'll be interesting to see those numbers compared to Trolls World Tour. And basically, that's going to be the big story either next week or the following week, where two companies just start putting these out on direct streaming. I guess we'll see when those numbers start coming in. Yeah, we will. All right. Well, let's pivot right into television. We always start television with sports. And there are sports. There is a sport we can talk about. There's literally sport happening right now in front of the TV for me. NASCAR. NASCAR racing is back. Uh, you have, you don't have a first name. Uh, that's Kevin. Sorry. Kevin Harvick. Yes. Uh, won the first race back um, this past weekend. Yes, and we all booed as he crossed the finish line. So, yeah, well, it is what it is. Two-thirds of us booed as he crossed the finish line. Yeah, so there's, there's, there's NASCAR happening right now. And, again, don't watch it because you're watching us. But if you were, <laughs> well, no, you're not because this isn't live. Uh, but, well, it's uh, been rain-delayed. Oh, they were supposed to race yesterday, but that got rain-delayed. They were uh, supposed to race earlier today, but that got rain-delayed. They literally just like started racing as of what 10 minutes ago now yeah and there was already a crash (laughs) (laughs) there you go um in other sports news hey i heard you like uh sports documentaries well 
LeBron James likes them too. He likes them so much that he's going to produce one. But it's not about basketball. Uh, LeBron James is looking into producing a documentary about the Astros cheating scandal. You know, the one that just happened. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I guess look forward to that. Yeah, I don't know if he wants to, like, investigate how they cheated, why they cheated, or maybe pick up some techniques on how to cheat. Maybe. Not that he needs it. At baseball, specifically. At baseball, yes. We can pull a, pull a Michael Jordan, go do that for a season, and come back. Yes, Le- we'll LeBron James later. learning the ins and outs of, of baseball yeah. to pull up a Michael Jordan. We can, we'll get to our Michael Jordan thoughts a little later in this. Oh, yeah, week. we'll get to Michael Jordan in a bit here. Anyway, uh, but first, before that, uh, we have a little golf update for you. We've talked about this uh, several times on the Sports Corner before, but the match is happening. Tiger and Peyton versus Phil and Brady. And I don't need to say first names there because you know who those people are. Or I guess, actually, a couple of those are first names. Yeah, the two golfers are the first names. Yeah, the first names, <laughs> not the last names. Uh, Actually, the only that, one that's not a first name is Brady. Because you can't just say, and Tom. Yeah, and Tom. <laughs> that was Tom. I don't know. Um, yes, that takes place at Medalist Golf Club and will be telecast on all Turner networks and will uh, be all for $10 million for charity relief efforts this Sunday. So, uh, yeah, we've been talking about this on and off. But, yeah, so uh, check it out. It's still happening. So, yeah, I don't know if you, like, if, you have anything else to watch or they're just going to bombard you as you're tracing through TV guide, just the match, the match, the match, the match, the match. Yeah. It's on like true TV, TNT, TBS, CBS, whatever. I don't know. But like, it's like on four different channels all playing this thing. Cause I don't know what else are they going to play? Yeah. I guess what else do you got? So yeah, that's happening. So uh, check that out on Sunday. If uh, that's your bag. Yep, also new NASCAR race will be on Sunday as well. Oh, and I did see, um, I guess, a little minor update for that uh, baseball uh, thing we talked about last week. From what I understand, the only update that I saw about it was that the state basically filed their report and sent it to the, the commissioner to take a look at. And that's uh, the last state of California? Uh, no, Arizona. Oh, state of Arizona, yeah. Yeah, because they were basically like trying to figure out whether they were good to go. Apparently not quite yet, but the commissioners overlooking, I guess, of the league is looking at what's, what data they have, and they're going to make a call soon. So we'll yeah. see. Well, like you said last week, it's not just the players. It's, no. the, it's the coaches, the staff, the security, and the media Yeah, all it, together. A lot of planning probably needs to – a lot of things need to be stacked in place before this actually takes place well and making sure so there's another layer to that as well in that they uh they went to the players and to the players association the mlb players association and asked that they take a pay cut yeah um because they're not getting box office tickets from this right so the thing i saw was that they were saying some of the big yeah so some what yeah, so some of the players are actually like against going against playing because they're not going to be getting their full salary. Yeah. And this um, was on a reduced that they already implemented. So it's a second reduction that they're talking about. Yeah. 
Then I also saw, uh, just real briefly, and we can move on, um, that um, the league basically made some sort of statement that if a player tested positive, they would still continue the, the series. They would not stop sport. They would just isolate that person and move on. Uh, that's not how that works. No, that's really risky. And uh, I don't know why the hell they said that. But Right. Also, Mike Trout recently, you know, the big like face of the MLB, Mike Trout recently came out and said that if he had to choose between playing baseball and missing the birth of his child, yeah, he would forego baseball for a year. Yeah, no, and I don't blame him. Like, let yeah. the man see his kid. Like, the well, hell? Yeah, his, his new marriage and new wife, yeah. well, first wife, only wife, new wife, yeah. is pregnant. Yeah, first, this is his first child. Like, he's yeah, got first child. He, can, he has to be there. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see how all this uh, pans out. Uh, there's a lot riding on this, so we'll, have, we'll keep our eyes peeled for you. All right. Anything else in sports before we move on to television news? Um, no. I think oh. we're good to move on. It's still happening. still happening. All right. First story in television takes us to Disney+. Plus. Where the big uh, news kind of popping all over the place last week was about the Percy Jackson series. Uh, the five book series is being set for a long form production being developed at Disney Plus, a series, not a film. Uh, the author of the books, Rick Riordan, made the announcement on Twitter and followed it up by saying the first season of the show will follow the adventures of the first book, The Lightning Thief, and that he and his wife will be directly involved in every aspect of the show. The first two books of the series were made into feature films for 20th Century Fox, which both received mixed reviews from critics, but uh, gross decently uh, over $425 million combined worldwide. So yeah, I've seen a lot of feedback from fans of the books on Twitter talk mm -hmm. about how they're a little worried about how certain characters and certain plot lines will be um, addressed in a Disney uh, way. Um, so yeah, there's a little trepidation about this, but, uh, overall, you know, if you're fans of the books, it's just exciting. Yeah. I mean, I enjoyed, well, I, you know, I enjoy Greek mythology flat out. I'm a, kind of like a nerd about it. Uh, so this is right up my alley. <laughs> I did enjoy the first film, uh, the, uh, the lightning thief that came out with Lillian Lerman, uh, didn't see the second one. Uh, what is it called? The uh, Sea of Monsters. Until uh -huh. it came in, in the HBO video on demand. But I, I mean, when I watched it, I, I understood what they were going for. But yeah, as I understood it, like when the first film came out and according to like fan reaction that there's a lot of stuff that they either didn't or couldn't put in that everybody wanted. And seeing as they're going to take one book and stretch it out into a feature or not a feature, I guess it's like a 10-hour feature, you know? Yeah, hour. series. Yeah, it's a full series. Give it, like, the HBO treatment-esque. Yeah. Where you have the, author, uh, the Game of Thrones treatment, where you have the author directly involved in making this happen. That, yeah, you know, I'm all on board for it. I think it's something that most people will be definitely into, definitely to look forward to. i take a tum, sorry. Mm. Um, yeah. Seems like... Yeah. This is also like part of like the good things that happen out of the merger with Disney. <laughs> if you want to call yeah. this a good thing. They have the budget to do something like this. So yep. hopefully they'll do justice to it. 
All right. Our second story takes us from Disney to the CW, where there's been a surprise in the CW's Batwoman. So this Bat- one caught everyone off guard. Yeah. Batwoman herself on the television show, Ruby Rose, has decided to leave the series ahead of its already announced second season. The exact reason remains unclear, but for now, both Warner Brothers and The CW have committed to creating a second season with a new series lead. Last September, Rose had undergone emergency surgery for two herniated discs, but she has said that her health and safety were not among the contributing factors in making her decision to leave the show. Batwoman currently ranks as the CW's third most watched show, averaging about 1.7 million views a week, and averaged a 0.5 rating among adults 18 to 49. In a joint statement, Warner Brothers, the CW, and Berlanti Productions said, the studio and network are firmly committed to Batwoman's second season and long-term future, and we look forward to sharing its new direction including the casting of a new lead actress and a member of the LGBTQ community in the coming months. So that's interesting. They're, they're, they're basically committing that if they do find a replacement for Ruby Rose, there'll be somebody who, like Ruby Rose, was LGBTQ. Which right, is, which is part of the big reason that she was cast in the first place. Right. I mean, that's uh, but yeah, her leaving, like, she is literally the star of that show. Yeah. Uh, puts huge question marks around why, why now, and then who's going to be replacing her. Yeah, I almost don't want to speculate because there's so many possible permutations of why that we don't have time to go into. Oh, it. we don't have to, but trust me, there are videos out there about yeah. all this speculation. But we don't deal in rumors and speculation here. <laughs> yes. So I don't know. We'll uh, keep an eye out on the story. We'll see who they ended up casting, or if any, or if Ruby Rose comes out and actually says uh, what happened down the line. I guess we'll find out. Uh, currently, the hot take on the internet is to move from one of the side characters, move her into a main role by uh-huh. doing a face swap esque, super comic booky. Yeah. Thing. I mean, that's the thing is that you're dealing with comic books here. You could literally do anything. You could explain anything away. Oh, yeah. 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 But that does mean that they at least have to have her back for one episode (laughs) to explain the switch, not, oh, she's just randomly gone. You could just use footage from other episodes. They could make it work. You mean do her dirty like Natalie Portman in Avengers Endgame? You could do it. You could do it. Anyway, so that'll do it for television news proper. We have thoughts to get to. Let's do okay. the quick ones first. Let's yes, save let's... the last dance for last. Yes. Save the last dance for me. Um, there, there's first, the let's joke. Let's go through the, the quick ones. So yeah, uh, you watched some remote, remotely taped singing reality shows. So not one, but two different reality shows ended this week. Yes. Uh, American Idol finale ended and the voice finale ended uh and their two productions could not be any different given the same parameters <laughs> okay so i watched so let's talk about american idol first because i watched a little bit of this finale and what the hell was that yeah <laughs> it seemed like 
nobody knew what the hell they were doing. I think yeah. the moment that encapsulates the feeling of the whole thing was they kind of had to, I guess, quickly kind of do the eliminations. And poor Ryan Seacrest is at who knows where he is. I'm guessing his home, but he has like an entire American Idol logo up in lights behind him. And he's at a desk with a computer monitor. And he literally has to read the names that of the people who are staying, the final two, when there's like, what, five people on the screen? Right. And so the three remaining people are eliminated, right? I mean, you saw this. I don't have to explain it to you, but I'm explaining it to our listeners. Yeah, um, those who didn't see it. Because it was the strangest moment I've seen on television in a long time. He says the names, and he's like, those are your final two, and like, that means blah, 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 so-and-so, and so and so and him and him, like, you guys are going home. And then there's this minute, I swear, a full 60 seconds where nobody says anything. Ryan is waiting for the guys to react. The guys, I guess, are, re- are waiting for Ryan to cue them. And so it's just Ryan Seacrest just kind of going and looking at them. They're just all standing there on their little Zoom calls. And at some point, finally, Ryan realizes that it's dead air because he's a professional, you would think. Right. Um, and he goes, all right, now let's, and moves on. Well, how else are you supposed to react when they say, you're going home <laughs> and you're, you're already home? <laughs> it was surreal. I was just like, what just happened? Because well, that's like the signature line. Like, you're, how are you going to change it to bye-bye, click, yeah. end Zoom call? <laughs> You've been eliminated. <laughs> please leave the Zoom call. Yeah, like, please leave the meeting. Like, I don't know. And then, yeah, and then when they did the reveal of the, the final winner, too, that was awkward because the the runner-up, the second place, they start, he's, like, on a porch with, like, a bunch of his family members, and they're popping champagne when they've announced that he's lost. <laughs> I was like, does he, do they know? Like, yeah, he doesn't have to self, suffer through this anymore. I know, it was weird. I was this, it was surreal. So I don't know. I, th- and I watched some of the, like the celebrity uh, duet slash performances. Like I told you, I texted you about how the Rascal Flats guy was literally singing into his AirPods. Yeah. Which was a weird moment. And yeah, I don't know. And, and um, what's her name? Um, the late, the, the lady who sings that song that sounds like Adele, but isn't. Uh, I forget her name. What's her name? I don't remember. Reba? No. BB Rexa? No. <laughs> no, she did do it with one of the other people. And I think the winner, the ultimate winner there. Um, and she's just, this lady's just found herself in the Ryman Auditorium. I don't know how she got in there. She's the only one in there. <laughs> did, she, did she have the key? I don't, like, what? It was weird. I don't know. So what did you think about the rest of it? Uh, it, it was weird contrasting this with um, The Voice because The Voice was actually like a polished production. Yeah. <laughs> compared to American Idol. Because it's like, because uh, that's the thing. American Idol like runs on that live audience, that initial feedback being right yeah. there. Whereas The Voice, you know, as, as has been like the majority of the show, which is 
reliant on the people singing the voices. You don't have to actually be there to enjoy the voice. But man, the production value between both of them are just night and day from each other. Like, like they were both like given the exact same framework of okay, everyone has to do this from home now. Yeah. But somehow the voice was able to like provide people with green screens or a blank wall and it actually like put actual production behind like not just them singing, but them singing together, showing a full band together and like actual like graphics in motion. And yeah, it did look at times overproduced, but given what they were working with, it was night and day between that and American Idol. Yeah, no, I don't know. Maybe it's the budget difference because I mean, even the regular season of American Idol pre-pandemic, like the ABC seasons have looked like rinky-dink operations compared to the Fox seasons. Well, somehow, like American Idol, as we announced, got an extra year. Yeah. Or of course, sorry, we were going to announce. <laughs> that, sorry, that's this week. Yeah, they announced this week that they got another year. So that's going to be season four on ABC coming up. Yeah. So I don't know. It was weird. Uh, and that's not even going into the frickin' uh, that that Lionel Richie got to have his We Are the World reprise, which was also a surreal moment where <laughs> it's all this footage of, like, skylines, like all this city footage with pictures of people juxtaposed on the buildings. I'm just like, why? Why are we doing this right now? I don't know. It, it, like, that was really weird. Yeah, the whole thing was just bizarre. Yeah, but hey, at least they're done now. Until yeah, next year. free. All right, but yeah, so we're done with those then. Yeah, so all right, what else? What else do we have to talk about? Uh, you. And you. Uh, we watched uh, Taylor Swift's yes. uh, City of Lover concert. Yes, immediately after the American Idol finale, they did a, uh, yeah, they, they showed, like, well, we talked about this last week, but yeah, we, uh, they showed a, um, a Taylor Swift concert that she had recorded in September in um, Paris um, at, a couple weeks after the release of her album Lover, which we talked about on this very podcast last year. Um, and yeah, this uh, was like a short little hour long just uh, concert uh, film that, uh, yeah, was pretty fun. Yeah, uh, featured seven songs out of the 14 on the album. And I actually enjoyed it. It made me realize, oh, yeah, this is actually a good album. I really liked it. Yeah, so no. much so it, I went back and listened to the album. And then because this was on Disney Plus, I listened to it again twice yeah no it, it's good and i honestly like i listened to some of the tracks there's a spotify album now that's takes the singles from this performance um so if you want to listen to just the sound that's available now mm-hmm. um and yeah i listened to a couple of them and it reminded me like oh wait like this version of uh the, the version that she did on this thing of um cornelia street i might yes. actually prefer to the album cut because she does, she ends up belting the chorus and like it changes the whole vibe of the song. I was going to bring that up that Cornelia Street sounds a lot better here than it yeah, does on the album. It's like, I don't dislike the production on the record. I think actually the 
the part where the drums come in and the second second uh, uh, verse is actually really cool. But like without the kind of the stripped down production actually works for that song really well uh, with just her and an acoustic guitar. So yeah, it was a neat uh, little way of hearing like an acoustic version of some of the songs. And yeah, overall it was a fun concert. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I mean, it is what it is. It's a one-time thing. Yeah. But, you know, given what we got, I liked it. For contrast's sake, though, uh, the night before it aired, I actually went to Netflix and I watched something I hadn't watched before, which was her Reputation tour that is on Netflix, uh, her last concert, uh, concert film. And, uh, yeah, I hadn't watched it before because, yeah, I know, I, I'm pretty vocal here on this podcast about kind of not so totally caring for the uh, Reputation era. Uh, right. But you know what? It's growing on me. I'm, tur- I'm turning a corner with that record, I think. Okay. There's, there's some okay stuff on it. It's obviously still not as good as the rest, but, but yeah. So that's there if you want a double dose of Taylor Swift concert footage. <laughs> All right. So let's, get, so let's get comfortable here because yes. we got some stuff to talk about here with The Last Dance. All right. Let's, uh, let's relax. Let's get our cigars. Uh, oh, last plenty of cigars. I got like 10 of them here. Let's uh, make let's make a let's make a bad decision and order a pizza in Utah at the middle of the night. You mean the only pizza place that's open? Yep. <laughs> Where five guys show up at your door. You're the only one that eats the whole pizza. <laughs> I was so excited to talk about specifically the poison pizza because, like, what, what what do you think Michael Jack Jordan gets on his pizza? So, have you heard of the flu game before this? <laughs> no, I hadn't. <laughs> Yeah, so for context, you know nothing about Michael Jordan other than he's a basketball player. I knew he was a basketball player. He was really good. They won a lot, and that he was in Space Jam. Also, I knew that he had retired twice. Right. So going into this thing, you're pretty much technically three times. I just realized technically three times. Yeah, because he came back after that. Like a third time for the Wizards. Yeah. For the Magic. Yeah. Wizards. Both. The magic. Wizards. 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 Wizards? Yeah, Wizard. it's the wizards. I'm being wizards. told in my ear that it's the wizards. Wizards. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Anyways, so w- the last dance. <laughs> yeah. Good. There's great. a lot to talk Give about it. here. Where lot do you start? <laughs> so okay, here's my here's here's my thoughts about this whole thing. So like you said. Going into this, I had no context, really, for the exact events and how they would go. Like, I knew kind of vagaries. Like, I knew who these people were. Like, I, like, I knew just the bare minimum of information about Michael Jordan, Dennis Rodman, Scotty Pippen, you know, the whole cast of characters here. And so, yeah, like, I definitely learned a lot about who these people are. And I think overall, my takeaway about the whole thing is really well produced. I think... Having all, especially being able to use that footage from the 97-98 season and actually getting like really up close um, footage of the games is really necessary for something like this, especially to the uninitiated like me, because you get to see kind of a different perspective on the game of basketball. Because when it's kind of zoomed out from the telecast point of view, you kind of miss the specifics. You miss a lot of the defense. You miss a lot of like 
the the flow of the game if you're not like really in it like that footage was. So that production wise, really excellent job. Subject wise, there's a lot of interesting things that happened over the course of this, and I see why they'd want to do a big sprawling story about it because there's enough moving parts where it's a fascinating kind of piece of sports history. One thing that I will say that is a failure of the documentary though is man, they set the whole thing up to make you believe that Michael Jordan is this fascinating figure. You know what? By the end of it, he's not that interesting. (laughs) Literally, he is just a guy who's really talented and really good at what he does because he has this weird alien drive that nobody else on earth has that he has to be the best at every single thing, no matter what. And that makes him extremely petty to the point where literally everything is personal. At what part during him talking about the plane sequence, playing poker on the back and the front, did you pick up on that? Yeah, it was, it was it was around that episode, I think, where it was just like when they started talking about his gambling and like how he would just put, like pick literally every, anything and everything to gamble on, like the little game of quarters they played. Yeah. I'm just like, this is fascinating, this guy. And then from then on, like for the latter half of the, the series, you could play a drinking game where you had to drink, a sh- you had to take a shot every time Michael Jordan said, and then it became personal. <laughs> Or, or, or wait, I think he specifically said, then it was personal to me. Just that one little bit made it personal. Yeah, it made it a little personal to me. Like, and it was something different every single time. It was like either a player or a coach or, or a city. <laughs> it was just fascinating, like, like how much he needed it. And, and yeah, he kept repeating over and over again the same thing, which was like, it fueled me. It made me do this. And I'm just like, you know, there's only so many times we can have this be the crux of the story. He's just a competitive guy. He's just a, but that's what I'm saying though, is like by the end of it, it was kind of exhausting. It was just like, yes, we get it. We get who Michael Jordan is. We got there by episode five and by episode 10, you're just like, all right. Yes, we know this is who he is. Can we, can we, Talk about Scottie Pippen some more. I want to learn more about Pippen. Well, that's, like, that's why it, how that's why it diverted after episode five yeah. to doing a, just a, a Dennis Rodman episode and just doing a Scottie Pippen episode. See, that's the other thing. That's the other thing. It was kind of a bait and switch though, because they would make you think that the entire episode was going to be about like this is Scottie Pippen episode. But it's only like the first yeah, half hour. But really, it was just like interspersed with more Michael Jordan stuff because mm-hmm. obviously that's the story that they think you're there for. Well, also, Michael Jordan is the executive producer on this thing. He had final say on the final cut. And that, yeah, is very telling because it doesn't necessarily paint him as... It's interesting how they portray him in this series because as much as they want to be like, oh, he's a real guy who had these issues and is this kind, he's kind of like was kind of antagonistic with his teammates. But at the same time, we're going to remind you constantly that he's also extremely talented and nobody's better than him. It seemed like this weird balancing act that they were doing throughout the whole thing. And I never really knew how to feel about the guy. And that's, I think, part of why I'm coming out of it like I am, where it was just like, I don't know how I feel about Michael Jordan. Like, he's like, yeah, I get he's competitive. Yeah, I get he was like, 
angry at people, but like when they weren't like performing up to his level, but like that's not that interesting. I don't know. He's just not like he's not that fascinating as as a a person. Besides the fact that he was really really good at the game of basketball. Yeah, but you realize that he was really really good amongst everyone else who was also really really good. Like you yeah. have to realize that he knocked out. 10 future Hall of Famers out of the playoffs consistently. Yeah. No, no, I realize that that's, that's, that's an important part of his career. And I realized that he was good. But what I'm saying is as a documentary and as an, like a piece of television, that's the part that didn't work for me. Everything else though, like I said, I thought that it was really well produced. I thought the, the, the nuts and bolts of the story they were telling about this team and specifically this team's successes was really good and fascinating. I wanted to know more about the inner workings of that stuff and less about Michael Jordan, I guess is what I'm saying. So I want, I would like, would have been interested in if like, if they had just maybe like pushed the Michael Jordan stuff to more of the periphery and talked about the team as a whole. Right. But then it doesn't become a Michael Jordan documentary. It mm-hmm. becomes a Bulls documentary. And so, yeah, like I realized that some of that is a personal taste thing to me. But yeah, I don't know. It was interesting though. And it's definitely like, definitely was a fun thing to look forward to every week. And there was definitely a lot of like enough moments where I was just like, like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, no, there, there, there was plenty of cool stuff. So as someone who had the context for all of this, what did you think about, about the series? I got visual whiplash really quickly. Yeah. Because it because it started off with the ninety seven ninety eight season, and yeah. then almost immediately jump backwards, and then go a little bit forward, and then yep. immediately jump backwards. Yep. I'd say that is my biggest criticism of it, is that yes, I get you need to like set the build up, but can't you set the build up beforehand, leading up to it, and then have the payoff? The approach to that felt like I was reading an article in like a sports magazine, like in, in like Sports Illustrated, because articles are written like that, right? Where it's like, it opens with, okay, this event, this really important event, this happened, this happened, this happened. And the next paragraph is, but let's talk about when they first joined the team in 1984. And then it kind of goes into like, that. It, that's how it felt to me, is it felt like they were writing it as if you were reading it. And you're right, like it causes a visual whiplash where you're just like, all right, wait a minute, hold on. So, okay, we're talking about this now. Oh, but we're going to move forward to talk about this really brief thing. And then it's the craziest thing about it to me was by the end of the series, they've wrapped around so full circle that the last flashback they do is literally like months before. (laughs) They're like, oh, we're in 98. Let's go back to 97 real fast to tell you how these finals went. It's just like, all right, like, we're there already, weren't we? Like when we started this, right? Because that's where it initially picked up. But this yeah. is going to be labeled the last dance. This is yeah, the last of Bill Jackson and the last. That's what he labeled the season as. So they were probably somebody was probably like, "Oh, it'd be really cool if we got full circle by the end." But you're right. It it it, it felt a little weird every time they did it because you were just like, "All right, well, I'm really enjoying this story. I don't really want to go back and talk about." 96 if i don't want to think about 96 i want to go back to 98 right i did also notice that there were at several points where they had to include the 
the interviewer's question mm-hmm. in order to either get the soundbite or to get the direct link that they wanted, or at least in the editing phase, yeah. the direct link that they wanted to pull out so they could reference something that was backwards. Yeah. And then my that reminds me of my other favorite thing, which I thought it would be great for a drinking game. Every time that they hand Michael Jordan an iPad Pro to make him watch something. Here, watch this. Like, see so-and-so talk about this. And then there's like half the time it's just Michael Jordan going like this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, that didn't happen. <laughs> no, that's not how I remember it. There's that thing where he's just like... Well, he can say whatever he wants. He's had years to think about it now. It's all hindsight. <laughs> and also... Was there something up with his eyes? Oh, the, that's just years of smoking cigars and doing all the <laughs> 80s stuff. I guess 90s so. Stuff. <laughs> I mean, he, he ate a pizza, a whole pizza by himself. I mean, speaking as someone who was eating an entire pizza by <laughs> himself, you would know something about that. Yes, I would. So, okay, to go full circle on our own conversation, what do you think was on that pizza? Um, <laughs> I don't think it was anything that the people put on it. I think it just might have been like old meat or something. Oh no, I'm not even thinking about like speculation. Whether... Of course, I'm just I'm just trying to see what you think Michael Jordan orders on a pizza. Oh, what does Michael Jordan order on a pizza? What do you think Michael Jordan gets on his pizza? Uh, <laughs> uh, the chat says poison. <laughs> <laughs> like, like what about like? I don't know. Like, I, I assume it's just a mushroom sausage pizza. You think it's, it's deep like dish? the mushrooms because they're fungus or you sausage. think he does deep dish because Chicago? You think there'd be a deep dish in Denver or Utah? <laughs> There's a deep dish places here. Like, why wouldn't there be a dish, deep dish place yeah, in deep Utah? Deep dish. A deep dish. Do you, I think he gets a deep dish pizza. I think he gets mushrooms. I think he gets sausage. I think he gets peppers of some sort. Yeah, like peppers, and that's probably it. A Michael Jordan pizza. That's a Michael Jordan pizza. Anyway, anything else to say about the last dance before we move on? Are we going to watch uh, Lance next week? Yes, we already have our tickets purchased for Lance. <laughs> uh, part one and part two, also with B Water. Well, and then to also with. Tickets. Yeah, my proverbial 30 for 30 tickets. You know how they do like the old ticket. Oh, sure. <laughs> Got our tickets reserved for that. All right. So, uh, But no, I really liked The Last Dance. Um, expect this to sweep all the Emmy Awards when it comes out. Maybe. We'll see. Maybe. Uh, but yeah, it was really insightful. I liked it. I learned a lot. I did notice how they mainly focused on five key players. Four key players, meaning Jordan, Pippen, Rodman, mm-hmm. and then Phil Jackson and Steve Kerr. Yeah, one random episode towards the end where it's like, yeah, I guess we should talk about Steve Kerr. Well, because Steve Kerr was there for four years. Yeah. Five years? Six. Well, can I do math? 93 to 97. Four years. Five years. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, he was there. He helped Michael Jordan win championships. Also, he's there because of the name, Steve Kerr, yeah. that people know from the Warriors. And also, yeah. like, the coach of the Warriors wearing the Warriors, Warriors garb. 
if in case you didn't catch it. <laughs> like, yeah, in case you didn't know who Steve Kerr was. Yeah. But I think that's a main thing to take away is that like there were clearly other players involved in those championship teams, but they didn't get either as much say or as much input into like being interviewed or being shown. Or they just figured that if they were going to do it at all, they would focus on the bigger names. And I think that's the thing that yeah. like Tony Kukic, who had was like a monster player for them, was only mentioned a handful of times. Yeah. <laughs> and either that's either Jordan's doing or the fact that Steve Kerr is just a better interviewer. Yeah. It gives them better sound bites. Bigger name too. Yeah, he is the bigger name, it's bigger draw. And it's also why he was on the poster. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Should we ask the chat if they have any thoughts on the last dance? Yeah. Um, I was going to interject until you said exactly what I was going to say. And Steve Kerr actually like said that the day after the last episode. He's like, it shouldn't have been me on the poster. Like it should be Tony Kukoc because he was like probably the third best offensive player on this team. Yeah. He said, like I get that I'm like, you know, I'm famous for being the coach of the Warriors and everything, but like Tony Kukoc was like the man for them, so yeah, well, I saw that online too, and had this like people talking about chat that do Tony Kukoc and Brian Jordan like have any beefs as to why they're not? I don't think he so. wouldn't be there. No, no, no. I bet that's a producer choice. Just, he's just not, like it's what you said. Like he's just not a good interview. He's Eastern European. Like he's, right. you know, like he just doesn't translate as well on camera. Yeah. As Steve Kerr, I guess. So, Extremely. Like, I mean, they covered his like you know. When, like, when he had to go against the dream team and stuff, and they basically just like bullied him. But, right, but you could also yeah. see something like that on Two Brothers. Yeah, exactly. The, the other ESPN 30 for 30 doc. Yeah. <laughs> as they cover that. Yeah. Yeah. But I agree with you. Like, it's like, you know, certain guys got more mention, I think, just because they would be more interesting for the documentary. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anything else? I loved it. It's exactly what the sports world needed at this moment when we're deprived. And as a kid growing up in that era who watched Michael Jordan play but didn't really follow as much of the backstory, it was very interesting to really see, like, the details behind it and, um, like, what actually maybe happened for the flu game or – The hangover game? uh, um hangover game or like scotty pippen's kind of drama interspersed and dennis rodman's antics it's like as a kid i didn't know any of that was going on you were just like oh the bulls are awesome and so it was really i really enjoyed it and it made me think that the next one they'll probably do is kobe which will be a lot sadder obviously given yeah but I loved it and I'm very sad it's over I have to say too um kind of on the flip side like I I'm a big basketball fan so I know I I knew most of those stories coming into it I knew obviously like the results of a lot of those games but it's still like super gripping even if you know like how everything goes basically right and that's part of good storytelling good editing good director I have a lot of friends too who don't give a flying F about me basketball too, who have been living and dying by watching it too. So it's, it appeals to yeah everybody, which is awesome. 
They need to have more of those right now. <laughs> well, I don't know about right now, but yeah, they got to put those together. <laughs> but yeah, we're like living in an era where we can like, like some people who don't have kids or do have kids and say, oh, they were great back in my day. You know, has our parents and grandparents told us like, oh, I remember watching so-and-so play way back in the day. Mm-hmm. Like we have finally crossed that threshold. <laughs> Jordan. Got there. Anyway. All right. Did you please? <laughs> I don't know if you guys want to add more. Or get into it. Get real into it. No, that's okay. We can move on. All right. So, yeah. Last Dance, really good. Yeah. Definitely no, check it out. ESPN Plus. There's, their, there's your plug. <laughs> yeah, ESPN Plus. <laughs> Go sign up. I haven't yet. Um, <laughs> Still. Again, I just don't have time. Um, anyway, let's move on. Anything else in television that we want to talk about before we move into cancellations and renewals? Uh, real quickly, uh, we will, I will have thoughts next week on The Masked Singer as that is the finale happening tonight. If you and must. then also on Ultimate Tag, hosted by the Watt Brothers, which is premiering tonight right after The Masked Singer. Yep, because that's all they got is game shows. Yep. Uh, oh, and uh, Fox released its promo that's going to be the summer of Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> As this summer, we're going to get Hell's Kitchen, um, MasterChef, and 24, uh, Gordon Ramsay 24 Hours. The hell I'm back. Yep, because they probably got them. They're ready to go. and they They're in the can. So, yep. Yes, MasterChef right. this summer. Be ready. <laughs> All right, let's move on to cancellations then. Let's move on. Cancellations and renewals. All let's right, what am I no longer watching? Quick, NBC is bringing back a little late with Lily Singh for a second season. Treadstone on USA, canceled after one season. The Purge, the television show, canceled on USA after two seasons. The Good Fight on CBS All Access, coming back for a fifth season. Um, CBS All Access is bringing a spinoff to Star Trek Discovery called Star Trek Strange New Worlds for at least one season. Strange. Strange. ABC, as you mentioned, is bringing back American Idol for a fourth ABC season, which would be a 19th total overall season. Good Girls is coming back to NBC for a fourth season. FX is bringing back Breeders for a second season. Gentrified is coming back uh, for a second season on Netflix. Last Man Standing coming back for a ninth season on Fox. That is shocking. Shockingly. I can't help you with movies on Fox now. (laughs) (laughs) That is shocking. (laughs) Okay. Um, What else? Uh, The Resident getting a fourth season on Fox. Everything's Gonna Be Okay getting a second season on Freeform. Motherland colon Fort Salem getting a second season on Freeform. Those are your cancellations and renewals. Lastly, let's talk briefly about deaths. Gregory Tyree Boyce, age 30. That's young. Uh, actor, I guess, was in one of the Twilight movies. Ken Osmond, age 76. Actor, uh, was in Leave it to Beaver. Uh, he was Eddie Haskell in Leave it to Beaver. Huh? And then lastly, the big one this week, 
Comedian, actor, star in Best in Show, Modern Family, you name it, was a uh, the the guy the uh, the president of the the what the world in Wally, right? Yes. Um, among other classic classic roles, we'll miss him. Fred Willard, age eighty six. Yes, in the very few live action things they film for Pixar, he is one of them. He's one of them. So yeah, there you go. Uh, those are your deaths this week. Yep. Let's flip the script and turn over to music. All right. Well, we start music with the billboard, and we start the billboard with the hot 100. How hot is it? And your hottest 100 number one single is Stuck With You by Ariana Grande and Justin Bieber. Yes. Not a shocker at all. Although there is some drama about this, which we'll get to in the news. All right. Uh, Number two, Say So by Doja Cat featuring Nicki Minaj. Number three, Gooba by 6ix9ine. Yeah. Uh, number four, Blinding Lights by The Weeknd. And number five, Savage by <laughs> Megan Three Stallion. But really, it's Beyonce. <laughs> Not Megan Three Stallion. I did that last week, too. Megan The Stallion. Yeah, I did that last week, too. <laughs> <laughs> Megan The Stallion. <laughs> All right. Uh, so let's move on to your Billboard 200, your albums chart. Yep. Number one, Good Intentions by NAV or NAV. NAV, yeah, I don't know. Uh, number two, It Was Good Until It Wasn't by Kalani. <laughs> number three, Dark Lane Tempo Tapes by Drake. Demo tapes. Number four, My <laughs> Turn by Little Baby. <laughs> and number five, just Cause Y'all Waited by Lil Dirk. <laughs> just, just Cause Y'all Waited 2. It's the sequel. Oh, so yeah. It's the sequel to Just Cause Y'all Waited. Yeah. We've been waiting. Lil Dirk delivered. Just Cause Y'all Waited. He made another one. Just Cause Y'all Waited 2. Just Cause Y'all Waited. Uh, All right. But I don't want to listen to any of that. What am I listening to this week? I don't know what you're listening to. But here are the new releases. Okay. We have Banana Skin Shoes. By Badly Drawn Boy. <laughs> Look Long by Indigo Girls. Ghosts of West Virginia by Steve Earle and the Dukes. <laughs> Notes on a Conditional Form by the 1975. Mm-hmm. And lastly, Hollywood Park by the Airborne Toxic Event. Yes, those Airborne <laughs> yeah. Toxic Events. When I saw that, the current. Airborne Toxic Yeah, when event. I saw that, I had a moment where I was like, oh, yeah, the Airborne Toxic event. I remember them. Yeah, you remember them sometime around midnight. <laughs> exactly. Usually when they creep in my head. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, let's, let's uh, deliver some news here. All right, let's start with some news with some chart drama. Yep. As you briefly mentioned, Stuck With You by Ariana Grande uh, and Justin Bieber. Uh, the song actually benefited First Responders Children's Foundation by debuting number one on the Billboard's Hot 100, while 6ix9ine's comeback, Gooba, which claims to be the fastest video by an American artist to hit 100 million views, opens at number three. 6ix9ine, uh, uh, the rapper, 
asserted in a four-minute-long Instagram story rant that an unnamed entity working on behalf of Ariana Grande, who, along with Justin Bieber, is managed, who is managed by Scooter Braun, purchased 60,000 units of the song, quote, at the last minute, using six credit cards in order to boost the song's chart position. He doesn't make mention of Bieber by name. Um, of Billboard's uh, ch- chart engine, Nielsen Music MRC 69 says, quote, you can buy number ones on Billboard. You got caught cheating red-handed. Uh, the rant garnered four and a half million views within three hours. Uh, quote, sales counts for more than strings uh, responded Ariana Grande on Instagram. And indeed they do, because the sale of download, a purchase of, you know, a 99 cent entity of an album or $5 of an album of a song, 99 cents for the song, $10 for an album, entitles an artist to a percentage typically of 10% or more versus a stream, which counts as a fraction of a penny. In fact, on the less complicated formula that governs the Billboard 200 album charts, 1,250 paid streams equals one album sales. But the Hot 100's blend, which is, includes radio play, is a bit fuzzier, <laughs> as Billboard uh, published on a handy explainer today. So- and also, as we have talked about several cases on this very podcast, <laughs> especially yeah. when uh, they switch from mainly recording album scales to having to record digital sales and digital streaming on Spotify and YouTube. Yeah, it's a complicated system that they've got going for streaming numbers now. And so um, it's weird that this is the first time that we've really seen like beef come out of this because yeah, we had the, the, the DJ Khaled stuff where he was like, oh, I can't believe I didn't get number one. But at least he wasn't like accusing the number one uh, album that week being like of use p- buying a bunch of records with six credit cards. Well, it's not even buying an album; it's buying a single. Buying and a in song. this case, I'm just comparing the two. But yeah, case, yeah, like it, it, I just think it's the funniest thing that this guy, just because he's all butthurt about not getting number one, even though he had the streaming numbers, like he's all just like making. It feels like he needs to make this point. It's like, no, they bought it, which who knows? Probably not. I would guess. But one thing I will say about this is that if anybody is going to buy themselves a number one's hit, Scooter Braun is probably at the top of that list. I would definitely put Scooter Braun at the top of that list. I mean, he bought a whole country album just to spite one person. (laughs) Yeah, right. So yeah, like I, I don't know who to believe here. I, because Six Nine is um, a, we've talked about him before, aka Takashi Six Nine is a well-known piece of trash. And yes, uh, also notice how he ended up with the third, number three, single this week, meaning yes. that even Say So by Doja Cat and Nicki Minaj would still beat him out. Right, yeah. So who knows if the math supports uh, any of this. I think that he's probably just angry. Um, but still, fascinating when you get to like, a couple of artists like going to blows over the charts like this. It's, it's rare. Right. But also notice that even if this was purchased, um, well, 
via iTunes or wherever, like purchased, that some of that money is still going towards benefiting First Responders yeah. Children's Foundation. So cool. that could also be why, you know, yeah. even though the numbers may seem inflated, there's still, at least it's going to a good cause and not just directly into the artist's pockets. Yeah, that's good. All right. But yeah, I can see why he would have such beef with it. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, it's not going to affect his standings. No. Not going to affect all the stuff that he, you know, is accused of and has done. Yeah, he's kind of the worst, so who cares? Yeah, Moving on. he's got that huge six nine on his face that needs to <laughs> be taken care of first. It is not nice. <laughs> no, no, we, we have established that here. <laughs> not nice. Anyway. Anyways, um, Lordy Lordy, Lord's third album is in the works. <laughs> Yay! Yes, uh, the singer revealed in a chatty email to fans on Wednesday that Lord is currently working on her third album. Quote, I started going back to the studio again in December just for something to do. And to my surprise, good things came out, she wrote. Uh, happy, playful things. I felt my melodic muscles flexing and strengthening. She said that she and Jack Antonoff, you know, one of our favorites, Jack Antonoff. Jack Antonoff. Uh, who collaborated on her sophomore album, Melodrama, you know, as well as Taylor Swift, Lana Del Rey, Pink, basically, you name it. He's probably the Dixie Chicks. Dixie Chicks currently. Most recently. Uh, will be meeting up in her native New Zealand and Los Angeles to work on it. Quote, a thing started as things started to take shape. And then, of course, the world shuts down. We're still working away. Jack and I FaceTimed for over an hour this morning going over everything. But it'll take a while longer. Yeah. But hey. New Lord album coming out. Yeah. So the good news is that it exists. They've started recording it and it's almost done. The bad news is, is that because of the pandemic, it's going to take a while longer to finish it. So, yeah. Because if I've learned anything, if I learned anything from the, uh, that uh, Miss Americana documentary about Taylor Swift, literally Jack Antonoff's style is for them to just sit around in the studio throwing ideas at the wall. <laughs> And if I learned anything listening to the Charlie XCX album, you shouldn't make an album in 30 days. All right. All right. Okay. <laughs> I want to hear what you think about this. Let's pivot to thoughts. We both listened to Charlie XCX, How I'm Feeling Now, which is her quarantine record. Yes. She made this album in 30 to 40 days. Basically, yeah. she started it in April yeah. and put it out last week. Yep. So... Yeah, April to May. Yeah, basically 30 days. Call it roughly. More or less. 50 days. Uh, so, uh, I have to be reminded, do we like Charlie XCX? So, here's my, here's my take on Charlie XCX. I think that she is very talented. I think she's a really interesting pop songwriter. She has a couple different modes. She can either be really right very really straightforward pop songs like um her like her big radio singles but then she also has this like experimental streak to her and that seems to be what she's embracing recently as opposed to kind of the mainstream stuff she did the mainstream stuff it didn't hit the way that i think that this, the record labels wanted it to and so she kind of retreated and now she's kind of hanging out with these more avant-garde artists and doing these more 
interesting experimental kind of recordings. And I can kind of appreciate both sides of the Charlie coin. I like when she's doing more like mainstream singles, but I also like her kind of playing around with sounds like this. There are some Charlie XCX fans I know personally, though, that are not that way, that much prefer her just going straight down the middle and are not as into the more experimental leaning work. So, but I, I personally, I think she's pretty cool. I, I like most things that she's done. Okay. Because when I listened to this album, I had the thought creep into my head that, wow, never in my life have I listened to an album and immediately hated the artist in <laughs> such a quick fashion. Because oh, no. playing from this song from the beginning, or playing this album from the very first song, uh, Pink Diamond. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Industrial up the wazoo. Yeah. Definitely not ready for it. It hits you like a ton of bricks, and you're like, wait, what the hell did I put on? Is this really what I'm thinking I'm hearing? <laughs> uh, but I will say, she goes hard in the paint. Yeah, it's true. Or whatever that lyric is that she's pregnant <laughs> in. I go hard, I go hard, I go hard. Like like a pink diamond. <laughs> yeah. I think those are the lyrics to I it. I mean, it's... It's interesting. It's an interesting choice as a first track because it's definitely like, it's definitely like, all right, this is this is what this is like, like it or not, like. It's not even just like the first track. It's like the first within the first ten seconds that it just hits you. Like here's hard industrial sounds. Yeah. Like stuff I haven't heard since college when <laughs> I was listening to that stuff. <laughs> yeah, but it's combined with like pop song structure which I think is what makes it interesting to me. Like interesting and experimental, but also... Real quick, there's some context to this kind of era of Charlie that maybe Mm -hmm. you're not aware of. So there's a movement um, on the internet of uh, like kind of avant-garde, like experimental kind of pop that calls itself PC music. The PC doesn't necessarily stand for anything. That's just what they call them. And the guy who I guess started the PC music whole thing has been working with uh, Charlie on the last couple records she's put out. Like they've like had this partnership going and like their whole deal is these, this abrasive kind of thing. Remember a couple weeks ago when I talked about 100 Gex yes. on this podcast that they can't come from the same world where it's very much like, I don't know, let's just throw a bunch of stuff on the wall and like, let's just max maximalist pop design is basically what they go for. And so that's the kind of world that this is coming from. So maybe the lack of context there is what's, what's throwing you off or maybe you just don't like any of that. Like maybe you I mean, even with given that context. Yeah. I can see where it's coming from. That doesn't mean that I understand it, that I'm still going to like it. Yeah. Maybe don't listen to hundred gigs. <laughs> Because <laughs> you probably wouldn't like it then. No, I mean, I listened to this album twice because I no. thought I heard it wrong the first time. Nope. But no, nope. like it is that heavy. I, at certain points, I thought, wait, is this Charlie XCX the DJ <laughs> or the singer? Because at certain times, she just kept repeating the same phrase over and over. 
So like, oh, it's just she's DJing, just putting the same button of her repeating the same phrase while mixing her own sound. Not what you would think as like a singer. Is she? She does pretty much like she has collaborators, but she does a lot of the production herself. She's very much like a one-stop shop. Well, being in quarantine, yeah, you kind of have to do the production yourself here. So that's the interesting which thing. she flew her boyfriend of seven years out to yes. work on the album with. Yes, I think that's what you're going with, right? Together, so yeah, this is the first time they've actually worked on a record and cohabitated at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, isn't that weird? Because like some of the songs are directly about him, like seven years. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like it's interesting to kind of hear that, like that kind of push and pull. Like, hey, I'm um, writing a song about you, and I'm singing it to you while you're here. So that's actually a good segue to, like, the actual content of the songs, because it's not just a quarantine album in the way that it was made. It's also very explicitly a quarantine album in the subject matter. Mm-hmm. Like, there are songs here about missing her friends and feeling that need to go out and party, and she just can't. And, like you said, like, living with a significant other during all of this and, like, talking about their relationship as it stands and as it stood before. And I actually thought a lot of that stuff was really touching. Like, I thought like lyrically, there was a lot of stuff that she was really getting at that, yeah, that that really got me the time I was listening to it. I I was just like, yeah, no, that hit the nail on the head, Charlie. Like, that's how we're all feeling right now. It's just like, we have this like need for a connection that we just can't, it's out, out of our reach. We just and yeah no I agree like the lyrics are there like yeah in between like the car crash and the transformers fighting they're there. <laughs> are you saying this is produced by Michael Bay? I will, yes I was literally giving you my next joke. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that yes I haven't heard this much carnage since Transformers and Lincoln Park's Shadow yeah. something. All right well. If it's yeah, any consolation, fine. then, if you, didn't, if you didn't care for this, I have a little bit of cultural exchange for you. I have a recommendation for you. Um, and I don't know if you are familiar with a... Um, a across you... this new divide. New divide. That's what it's called. New divide. I had to, like, go through the chorus. <laughs> um, I have a country-adjacent artist for you guys to check out. Uh, her name is Jess Williamson. We mentioned her record last week. I strongly recommend recommend you guys uh, check that out, the record she put out last week, Sorceress. It's very much um, in the kind of vein of a Casey Musgraves, like Golden Hour kind of vibe to it. It's kind of witchy, kind of supernatural, but also very, like, very country. I think you guys should check it out. Okay, Jess Williamson. Yeah, Jess Williamson. All right. That's um, the other thing I listened to this week. Talk about the complete opposite sonically, but I enjoyed both of them. So I don't know. Your mileage may vary. Your mileage may vary indeed. But I think if you didn't like this, you probably will like that. Okay. I'll <laughs> check out Sorceress uh, by Jess Williamson. All right. Let's move on then. All right. Let's move on to our last uh, segment here with video games. Yes. All right. Uh, we have new releases still. Games are being pumped out still. Somehow. Uh, with Total Tank Simulator for the PC. I wonder what you do in that game. <laughs> um, this is based on the White Sox 1919 <laughs> World Series where you totally tank, totally tank. the series. My joke was going to be, 
my joke was going to be it's it's adapted from that uh, reality show Tanked, where you have to build somebody a giant aquarium in their house. Well, the other one could be with a Shark Tank simulator. Oh yeah, where you you get where you're Mark a virtual Mark Cuban. <laughs> we went the same place. All right. Uh, anyway. We also have what the golf yeah. on the Switch. Uh, Saints Row the Third colon remastered for the PlayStation, Xbox, and PC. Uh, Man Eater for the PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, and PC. That's that game where you're a killer shark. No, that's that game where you're. Uh, God, what's his name? <laughs> Is it a uh, Hall and Oats. Yeah, <laughs> your hall chasing oats. <laughs> no. No, you're a shark in that game. It seems kind of crazy. Okay. Uh, We also have Minecraft Dungeons for the PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, and PC. Yep. And if you've recently logged into Amazon at any point, Crucible for the PC has been blaring ads in your face. (laughs) Yep, it's it's out there. (laughs) Uh, That, of course, is an Amazon yeah, Games they're making a huge there. deal out of that thing. It's the first major release from Amazon Game Studios, so we'll see if it's oh, good. I know. I have like five ads on six devices. <laughs> yeah, and they took out like a store, like they took out like a front page story in like the some sort of newspaper. Like, and, hmm, I wonder where they paid that. Wonder Watch how they the post you, baby. <laughs> anyway. That Be- Jeff Bezos synergy. Yeah. Oh boy. All right. Anyway. Anyways. Okay. Um, we have video game news. So there last is week, no news this week. What? There is no news this week. So these are two deep, 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 deep cuts. Oh, that's perfectly fine. Because as last week we talked about Tony Hawk being remastered uh, for Tony Hawk Pro Skater One and Two. Um, well, the remaster is going to have most of our favorite songs of the series from it, are... uh, with Activision confirming on Kotaku that. Only five songs won't be in the final release. The playlist currently only has 18 songs on it, while the soundtracks for the original two Tony Hawk games had a total of 26 songs. Notably absent are Bring the Noise by Anthrax and Public Enemy and Sicko Vision by Suicidal Tendencies. Or, as me and my sisters heard it uh, as children, Psycho fishes. So I kept that in there because that's hilarious to me. But honestly, I don't have personal like a uh, uh, like. I have to be honest. I played Tony Hawk One on the Nintendo sixty four, and that version notably didn't have the complete soundtrack. Uh, PlayStation kids heard the whole thing, and sixty four kids did not. So I don't have the affinity for the soundtrack that I think a lot of people who played the game do. So is there anything that you're particularly excited to hear again or? Uh, no, because I, even though I did play one and two, I owned three and basically mm-hmm. had to rent out one and two, Blockbuster, Hollywood Video, wherever. But because I owned three, I played three a lot. Okay. A lot so of that's the, the one you have the nostalgia so That's for. the one that I have the most nostalgia for. Got it. Okay. All right. Than one and two. So we just aren't, we're, we're just really the wrong audience for this. Maybe. But that being said, that is one of the hardest things to get from a remastered is the soundtrack. Like, as we've noted here from Rock Band, most notably, 
getting the soundtrack for past songs when licensing runs out yep. can be a bit of a bitch. So yeah, I mean, hey, um, good towards Activision to actually going out and doing the work to get most of the soundtrack, though. That's pretty cool. I feel mm-hmm. like there's not going to be that many people that feel jilted. I think most people are going to be like, hey, they got most of them. Yeah, so. but you know, as with the controls, and them controls feeling correctly when you play it, part of making a good remaster is having that nostalgia for the songs that come on when you're playing certain levels. They had to do it. They had to get Superman, and they yep. got Superman. They so got the Superman. We're all good. All right, second story. All right, second story is the Epic is about the Epic Game Store. Yep. As it is offering partial refunds to those who recently purchased a game shortly before it went on sale. Yeah. Uh, game director and designer of Mayday Studios, Joshua Boggs, posted an email from Epic Game Store, which said it was issuing a partial refund for recent purchases of that Boggs made. Quote, you recently placed orders from the Epic Game Store. The price of the games you purchased were recently lowered, so we're issuing partial refunds for the difference. End quote. It's always a little disheartening when you take the plunge and invest in a new game only for it to go on sale mere days later. Uh, This partial refund certainly makes up for the bad timing. And it welcomes new players who miss out on big discounts. Yeah. I like that Epic Games is doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think more studios should be doing this or more platforms that, hey, I bought this game and then two days later, there's a 30% yeah. discount on it. How was I supposed to know that you were going to have a summer sale or a Japan sale and like all of a sudden all these games are on sale now? Yeah. Or the more way more severe version, which I experienced last year, when I bought MLB The Show 19 for full price, only to have two weeks later it go free for PlayStation Plus. Right, that too. Yeah. So no, this is cool. I hope that stores like Steam and maybe even the console stores maybe do something like this. Uh, but Epic is in a unique space where they have the money to do so. so. <laughs> See, I thought the story was going to be about GTA 5 going free. No, we don't need to be a freaking buyer's guide here at the Media Boat Podcast, so we don't need to say every time when some game is free. But yeah, if you didn't already know, all this week, so for the rest of this week, you can get uh, GTA V, the PC version, for free on the Epic Game Store. I don't have a PC that can run it, though, so it means nothing to me. No, but this gives a big bill finger to all you who bought it five years ago. Yeah, I get it for free now. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Not how it works. Totally how that works. Not how that works. All right. right. Any video games you've been playing? No, but I did, Nintendo did release a full video on the 51 classic games. Or what is it called? Board Game Classics 51. Oh, yeah, the Clubhouse Clubhouse, Yeah, Clubhouse Games 51. And did a a big showcase on all those games. And yeah, I'm going to get that when it comes out next month. Speaking of Nintendo announcements, I realized that I thought we had talked about it last week, but I guess we didn't. Uh, Nintendo also announced a new Paper Mario this past uh, That was Thursday, I believe. Yeah. So right after we recorded this. Um, yeah, I didn't put it as a whole news story because there's really not much to say right now. They showed not- one trailer and it looks like a Paper Mario game for Switch. Um, it looks like it has, it's called The Origami King, and it looks like it's uh, 
similar to the older games, but it's super unclear whether or not that means a battle system like Thousand Year Door. It seems like there may be some sort of new battle mechanic where you're in a 3D space and you're lining up attacks to like hit multiple enemies at once. And it does appear that there's some sort of sticker mechanic like the 3DS game uh, because there was a, a screenshot somebody like found from the trailer that was like, the move you were doing was like a sticker-esque, like you're using one of these things. So I don't know exactly how it's going to work. My hope is that it's closer to the original two games and not as, you know, weird as the two that came after. Right, because um, you personally like Thousand Year Door. That's your favorite yeah. Mario game. Those old games are so good. Those first two are excellent. And yeah, if they make another one of those, awesome. I'm all on board. But until I know more, I don't, I'm afraid to get my hopes up in case it's another disappointment. Because I've right. been burned twice now. Yeah, now I watched that trailer too, and it got me interested in purchasing it, maybe. But I will be getting that uh, Clubhouse 51 games because <laughs> yeah. it's 51 games. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, that's all I've been, I haven't been playing anything. So, yeah, we can, uh, we can wrap this. Uh, I've just been playing a lot of Lego, maybe too much Lego, but too much as Lego. I say, never enough. Too much Lego. I hear Lego Ninjago is free right now. Yeah, like I'm going to play that. (laughs) I mean, I'm going to download it, so eventually, maybe. (laughs) All right, let's wrap it up. All right, let's let's finish this up here. All right, thank you for joining us for the Marooned edition of the Media Boat Podcast. Uh, If you want to listen to us, you can catch us on podcast services such as Apple Podcasts by searching Media Boat Podcast in your feed. You can find this episode and archived episodes from our past. On youtube.com, that's where you can see video archives of both our live shows pre-Maroon and our uh, current Marooned shows so you can see our fun mugs as we're talking. You can also see our hair grow out too. And our hair. There's a lot of it. Um, You can also find us on social media channels like Twitter. We are at MediaBoatCast. Facebook where you can search Media Boat Podcast or find our page, like, comment, etc. Whatever you want to do, email us at mediaboatpodcast at gmail.com if you have questions, comments, um, improvements, whatever you got. And um, that, and you can find us playing video games every once in a while on twitch.tv slash mediaboat. And that's it. Yep, and that's it. Uh, this is your final reminder to purchase HBO now. <laughs> Yes. HBO Max. No, don't purchase HBO now, although I guess it will roll over into a it will Max. Roll over, but if you go to HBO Max, you can get that discount of 12 months for $12. Yeah. Um, but also look into it because you may already get HBO Max when it comes out. Um, you know, if you're, if you're already paying for it through Spectrum, YouTube, Google, uh, Charter, so as I- some other place. As a PSA, real quick, I ended up going in uh, YouTube uh, TV and checking to see if they had added HBO yet. They still have not. As of this recording, HBO is still not an option. So I don't know when they're intending on rolling that out. It might be a day of thing. Might be a day of. Like the day before. So yeah, we'll see. I'll I'll check again after this recording. But yeah, it does. uh, Last time I checked, it was not up there. Just to just let you guys know. Yep. Alrighty. 
but yeah, if you have any questions on that, just go to hpomax.com and they have like all your questions at the bottom, like the whole AFK yep. or FAQ. <laughs> AFK, FAQ, BIG, WTFKEY. All right, goodbye. All right. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. See you guys next week.